Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Uh, good to see the Shalom boys with us this morning. Always like it when the Shalom guys is around and, and men stuff and love to hear them sing. And, uh, and I'm really glad they came this week and not next week because we would have a problem, wouldn't we? We would do. Okay, um, Pastor Scott, he's down in El- uh, Malaga today, so uh, you've got me this morning, and um, as Jake's already said, we're in a season when we're looking at the wineskins, and uh, we're going to be looking at that again this morning, and uh, if you were here last Sunday, uh, I wasn't, I was down in Malaga, but uh, you should have been, or were anointing people with oil, and it's something we felt as an eldership that it would be right to do. Um, over both congregations to give people the opportunity to be anointed with oil for a new season, whatever season that may look like. But in God, that's a good season. doesn't matter what's going on in the world. And so we're extending that opportunity uh, this morning again. There'll be two of us filled with oil if you'd like to avail of that. And now we are going to get into the, the Word. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 5, verse 36 to 39. On this passage of wineskins. And here we go. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise the new makes a tear. And also that piece. uh, Also the piece that was taken out of the new. Does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into new wineskins. That's our main text. Or else the new wine will burst the wineskins. And be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. Verse 38, but new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. New wine must be put into new wineskins. We're going to pray one more time. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet uh, this morning. I really feel that today is significant for some individuals here today. Uh, We've been encouraged already this morning in the songs that we've been singing that our God reigns, and it's our God, the God of the universe that we've been worshiping today, and He is here in this room, and He wants to interact with us. I had that really strong feeling as we're worshiping this morning, and I, I know it's true anyhow, but just this really strong feeling that God loves people. No matter where you are, what you've been through, what's going on in your life, God loves you. God's committed to you. And I really got the impression that He wants to touch people's lives today, that it's like a defining moment in your life, not because I'm preaching, but because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So if you forget about this mad little Irishman, that's great. But if you hear Jesus this morning, that's all you need to hear. Amen? Amen. I said I was going to pray. So let's pray. Father, as we come before you now, as we stand on our feet before you, Lord, I pray that you would come down and you would continue to speak to our hearts, that you would break every barrier, that you'd remove every obstacle, that you'd fill this place with your presence this morning, that there'd be absolutely no room for darkness as you fill this place with the glory of your light. And Lord, that you would fulfill your purposes for this moment, for this day, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thank you for standing. Let's grab our seats. Okay, this scripture. Let's get into it. Face ID work great. iPad keeps falling asleep on me. But here, here we go, Luke 5, 36, 39, we're ready to sort of analyze and break down this verse of Scripture a little bit more. We have spoken on this in the past, or I remember speaking on this passage a few years ago. So uh, if you remember it, I must have did a good job for you to remember it. If you were here and you forgot it, I did a bad job and you're going to hear it again, or something of that nature, and it'll probably be totally different. So we're going to break down and, and sort of analyze a couple of words in this, which I really are feeling important to us as a church, but also as individuals here today. You know, my wife says that I'm just thinking about analyzing. My wife says I analyze too much, and I am one of those sort of people that sort of analyze it. So um, anytime I hear a joke, I normally don't get it because I'm analyzing it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, my younger son probably takes after me. I remember we got him a joke book once when he was just a little, little tight, and it had 3,000 jokes in it, dad jokes. He memorized all 3,000, and he'd sit in the room, and he'd come out with these weird jokes, just like his room, one of them. But the sad thing is, he didn't get them himself. He was too young, and he took after his dad, but everybody else did, and, and, it, was, and it was good fun. And uh, my wife reminded me this of this yesterday. Um, she came home from work, and, and, and um, one of our workmates, one of the ladies at the hospital, told her a joke about, about bees. And she says, don't analyze it, just listen. That's what she said to me, and I'm immediately on the alert because I never, I never get it. And, and she said this man went into a pet shop to buy 10 bees. I'm immediately analyzing 10 bees. Went into a pet shop to buy 10 bees, and why would they keep a beehive in a pet shop? I, I can't help myself thinking, you know, why would they have a That was my first thought. And she said, stop thinking, John, just listen. Went in the pet shop to buy 10, 10 bees. And I'm thinking, how did the bees get in and out of the pet shop? Do they, have a, do they have a little funnel, you know, like a little gate in the doorway for the bees to get in and out? That, that's how, how my mind works. Stop thinking, John. So, um, and so the pet owner goes to the, I don't know where he went to, I'm thinking of the beehive. Did he put a suit on? Did he put a mask on? You know how you're going up for bees? What if somebody gets stung? You know, uh, that, you know anyhow, and, 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 and begin to pick out, and she was doing this, pick out 10 bees. Said, Putting bees in a bag? With a, you know, did they smoke them first? Were they anesthetized? That, that's what I'm actually thinking when she's trying to tell me this joke. So one, two, three. And I'm thinking through all this stuff. Gets to ten, eleven. And the, and the guy turns around and says, why did you give me eleven? I only wanted ten. And the pet shop owner says, don't worry, it's a freebie. <laughs> I didn't laugh. You know, freebie. Free, free. Okay. Anyhow, that's, that's how my mind works. <laughs> she laughed her head off sitting in the chair, and I'm still thinking about the beehive and how the bees get in and out. And you know. Anyhow, <clears throat> here we go. That's nothing to do with the message this morning, okay? Let's get into it. New wine must be put into new wineskins. Uh, and the, you know, this parable started with the, um, the patch on the, on the old garment. And Jesus is using illustrations from everyday life that people understood in those days. We don't understand a patch 
on an old garment. Because when we get our clothes worn out, we buy new garments. Yes? I don't think I've got anything now with a patch on. Years ago I did, but not any longer. You know, we tend to buy something new. But in Jesus' day, you know, you'd wear something, you get a hole in it, it gets torn, and, and, and um, you put a patch on it. Nowadays, you pay money to tear your jeans. It costs you extra to get holes. <clears throat> really mad. Anyhow, uh, but in Jesus' day, they understood this. You, if you're wearing a piece of clothing and you wash it uh, through the machine a number of times or whatever they used in those days, the garment would shrink. And then if you wore a hole in it or got a tear in it and put a patch on it, if you take a new piece of cloth, that new piece of cloth hasn't been washed, so it's not shrunk. So if you put it onto a, piece, a garment which has already been worn quite a few times and which has already shrunk, the new garment will contract and shrink. The new piece will contract and shrink, and as it does, it will cause a tear. Does that make sense? Now, now the people in Jesus' day totally understood that. They knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. You don't patch up a torn dress with a new piece of cloth. <coughs> and he was making a point. Uh, and the, you know, the point was, you know, he'd been he'd been preaching, he'd been healing, he'd been ministering, and and the religious people of the day, the people that had studied the law, the experts in Judaism, those that had gone to the best Bible colleges and got their PhDs and all all this stuff, who had it all together, they did not like what they saw because what they saw was not how they were taught and what they believed, and they had a problem with what Jesus was doing. Jesus was mixing with sinners. They weren't. They were fasting two days a week, even though the law said you only had to fast one day per year. They went two days, two days a week, every week. But Jesus wasn't fasting, neither was disciples. And here they're having this meal with, with sinners, and you don't mix with sinners. And they had problems with all of this stuff. They got their lives together. How often do we see people who think they've got their lives together because they come to church often enough? Or they pay their tithes, or they've got a bigger Bible than somebody else. Years ago, when I was younger, it was the ladies wore bigger hats. The bigger the hat was, you know, I've arrived. You don't remember any of that stuff. You were spared that. I'll tell you the stuff we went through. Anyhow, and so Jesus is telling this story to make a point. What I'm doing is different to what you're doing, and the two don't mix. And so he went on and he tells the story about the wine, the wineskin, the wine. The new wine must be put in the new wineskin. So the wine, the wine here is referring to the new outpouring of wine that's going to replace the old batch which is currently running out. So you make a new batch of wine, and that new batch would be poured into large goat skins, and it would be left to ferment. And the fermenting process would give off gases, and those gases would cause the skin of the, the, the wine skin container to stretch so that it would be able to accommodate that expansion. So that's the wine, the new wine. And then the wine skin is that you don't use the old wine skin that's just been emptied or is about to run out because it's now hard and it's brittle. Because of the fermenting process that had taken place, it's got sediment in it because of, the, of containing the wine 
um, for, for so long in it. It has settled and got, uh, got, got uh, really ingrained into the skin. So the new batch of wine, if you put it into this old skin, it cannot age and it cannot expand. And if it, it will, it'll try to. And what will happen is, is that hard skin will crack and burst. And so the wine would be lost and the wine skin would be ruined. Now, I'm sure we know all this, but it's good just to lay a bit of, bit of a foundation. And then Jesus finished, basically, there he says, the old is better. So you got new wine must be put into a new wineskin, but some will say, ah, well, at first the old is better because the new is a fresh batch that's not yet fermented, it hasn't yet aged, so it doesn't taste as good as the old. But if you lived in Jesus' time, you'd be foolish to refuse a drink of new wine in a culture where it was safer to drink wine than water. And particularly with the old is running out, but the new will mature with time. So back to our text, new wine must be put into new wineskins. Let's really delve into what, what was Jesus getting at? What was, what was the problem here? Well, the old Jewish religious system of Judaism, that's the old wineskin. It was used for what God was doing but is now running out in Jesus' time. It's coming to an end. It was created, it was the structure that God gave instructions that should be put in place, but it served its purpose for what God was doing through it. God had used it to, to, to help formulate the, the, the nation of Israel, to establish a people for His own, to create a a place where they could worship, a sacrificial system, a, 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 a heart of worship, a tabernacle, and the temple. A system of worship so that He could come and live amongst His people. That was the purpose of it. But it had served its time. And in fact, that old wineskin, that old system, was pointing to something much better to come. And of course, it was pointing to the Messiah. It was pointing to a Savior. A Savior not only of the Jewish people, but of the world. It pointed to the perfect sacrifice which was to come, which was Jesus going to be sacrificed on the cross. And that was going to replace the sacrificial system that had to be repeated continually. And so Jesus, if you remember at the Last Supper, when He, he instituted the, the new covenant, the new wineskin, when He took the cup of wine and He said, this is My blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the forgiveness and the remission of sins. Matthew 26, if you, you want notes on that. So Jesus is saying, we need a new wineskin because the old covenant structure will not contain the new outpouring of wine. The old system, the old structure, it was all about the presence of God and the glory of God. That was the focus. That's why God introduced it. I want to come and live amongst His people. And by the way, God has not changed. But the religious people, these learned people of Jesus' day, they were so preoccupied with the wineskin, with the structure, that they had forgotten what it was about. They were worshipping the system rather than worshipping the God behind the system. Are you with me so far? So that's what's going on here. 
The old system, that was, that was wrapped up in the law, but the new is permeated with grace. The law condemns, but grace covers. The law says, clean yourself you come into the presence of God. But grace says, come as you are. That's good news. You should be cheering now, particularly if you're not too good. Jesus says, come as you are. The law says, sit at the back until you're good enough. Grace welcomes you to the front as an honored guest. The law points out how bad you are. But grace makes all things new. Amen? Grace makes all things new. And we are here this morning in a house of grace. And God's anointing is on us. And the Spirit wants to anoint us for a new season of grace. Amen? Not just talking to us as a church, but for you in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Wine is symbolic for the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. So the skin and the structure, the wineskin, the, the structure, the system was there to contain the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. So don't focus on the wineskin, on the structure, how we do stuff. Focus on the wine that the structure was created for. And so again, you know, Jesus said at the end, no one having drunk old wine immediately desires the new, for he says the old is better. The old is better. The old concept, the old way of touching and reaching God, the old, it's still in place when Jesus is speaking, but it's running dry. There's no more cloud for them to follow during the day. There's no more pillar of fire. There's 400 years between the two testaments where there's no prophetic word. The old is running out. And the new is in the process of coming. Jesus, at this time, He'd already been born. He's living. He's ministering with the new wine of the Spirit, but He's yet to be crucified. And the Holy Spirit has yet to be poured out on the new system, the new structure called the church, the new temple, which is to be birthed. And so on the day of Pentecost, if you know your Bible, the wine of the Holy Spirit was poured out and the place shook and the fire fell and the wind blew and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the new was introduced. Amen? Are we ready for a new outpouring of the Spirit? Amen? That's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Are you ready for a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Back to our text, I said we want to delve into it a little bit. There's two words there. New wine must be put into new wineskins. New and new. Two different words for new. First, there's new wine. That's the Greek word neos, which means young or recent, but it's more of the same. So, a fresh batch of wine made to be place the old wine which is running out, but it's still wine. It's not Diet Coke. It's still wine. It's more of the same. And this new batch of wine needs a wineskin to mature in. And so we come to the second word, new wineskin. It's not the same word new. This 
word is called kainos, kainos new, which means fresh, new, or superior to what has just passed. So a change takes place that makes it different from what was before. So if you're driving a, a, a new Ford car today, is seriously upgraded from the original Model T. Would you say amen? Of course it would. It goes a lot faster too. So, it's a totally renewed wineskin or a rejuvenated or a restored, renewed old wineskin. This is not more of the same, but totally renewed. Stay with me. Compare the old, brittle, hard, dry skin to a soft, flexible, renewed skin. They're not the same. They're different, totally updated. Kainos new. Now, I love this word new because that same kainos new is used in 2 Corinthians 5.17, which should be on the screen now, and it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, a new creation, kainos new. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A new creation, kainos new. So, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, when you've got Christ in you, when you've accepted Him, you're not just a duplicate or a replica of something else. That will be neos new, more of the same. No, no. You're new in the sense that it's in the sense of being different, qualitatively new. We are new creations. <laughs> when you come to Christ, you are superior and better than what you were before. One person is happy. God has put a new, different nature in us. He transforms us by the power of His Holy Spirit, and He puts the power of His Holy Spirit in us. So when we were born again, and that's why I like that word born again, we are born again. We're not just, just more of the same. You're born again. You're not just a bit new with some, a few changes. No, your cane is new. You're transformed on the inside. So this morning, have you got Christ living in you? Have you been renewed on the inside? Have you been born again? If you haven't, I want to encourage you, give your life to Jesus Christ. Amen? So, when Jesus was using these two different words, new, Jesus was not suggesting that the Holy Spirit is new. I've already referred to that. He's not referring that the Holy Spirit is new. God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So, the same Holy Spirit that was involved in the creation of the world is the same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus, which is the same Holy Spirit which birthed the church 2,000 years ago, and which is the same Holy Spirit which has been moving over the church ever since, and it's the same Holy Spirit that's in this place today. Amen. I'm not hyping you up here. I'm telling you the truth. The same Holy Holy Spirit is here today. Hallelujah. Wow, stop shouting. So it's a new outpouring of the same Spirit. And so when Jesus is having this discussion about the wineskin, He's not suggesting, when you bring it down to the personal level, He's not suggesting that you throw the old wineskin out, but you renew it 
and restore it. And there is a way that they did that. And there's a screen. I'll just glance through this quickly on, on the slide. It's number 10 if you're following me. The new wineskins. First, how would you renew a hard, brittle wineskin? Well, you would soak it. First, soak it in water. So they would soak it in water. Then they would beat it to loosen that sediment. And then they would wash it out and they would cleanse it. And then they would rub oil into the skin to give softness and flexibility. I'm making a point here this morning. Wine is also symbolic of the blood of Jesus. And Jesus had to go to Calvary. He was the ultimate perfect sacrifice. The old is finished. No more animal sacrifices. Jesus died for our sins that we might receive the new batch of wine. And this new wine of the Spirit is poured out of a new wineskin. And that new wineskin today is the church. And this new wineskin or this church, the church age, is not just for a few like the old system, but it's for the whole world. So we exist as a church so that we can be poured out to bring healing into a hurting world. Can anyone say amen? That's the purpose when you look at it collectively as the church. Let's take it a bit further because God is doing something new. Amen? The world is changing around us. Get to that in a moment. But we, we need to change to be renewed so that we contain the new wine. The new outpouring. The new of what God is doing. I'm moving this because that squeak is killing me. That's better. The new of what God wants to do through your life and through our life as a church. Our structures, our system that we have today. What way does God want to change that? How do we live our lives as Christians in the world today? And we don't change to accommodate the world I've heard people preach on that. We don't change to accommodate the world. We're talking about wineskins and the wine. You don't change to accommodate the world and the ever-changing society and all the stuff that is coming at us at the moment because of COVID. Yes, we might have to alter a few things and comply with a few rules at the moment, and we haven't got to that point where we've got to sort of go become the underground church. It might happen someday. But we don't change to accommodate the world and to keep up with society or to fulfill the needs of society. No, 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 no. We, we, but the change and the flexibility is to accommodate what God wants to do. Amen? It's about the wine. It's not about the structure or about the world in that sense. It's about what God wants to do. So if you hang on to the old system and the old way that God's working through us, if you try and hang, if you refuse to change, if you refuse to become flexible and start worshiping the church and the structure and how you do your life or your ministry, and try and hang on to the both, you, you'll actually dry up and you'll become empty. New wine has got to go into new wineskins. 
The wine does not change. The Holy Spirit does not improve. He remains constant. But He wants to pour His Spirit into you again. So it's a new infilling so that you can be emptied out. Amen? Other people get to taste the wine. So He wants to pour into your life again this morning. He wants to give you more of Himself with a greater expression so you'll have a greater influence for a new season of ministry, whatever that may look like. And that means that the old wineskin has to change, be renewed, be restored, become flexible. If you try and contain God and keep up one foot here and one foot there, no, no. You'll crack and you'll burst open. And God's, God, what He wants to do through you, that wine will be wasted and the wineskin itself will be ruined. So Jesus wants to renew our wineskins. What do we do? A few things that I'll go through quickly before getting into a get into a verse that I want to get into here. Number one, break free from the fear of change. Break free from the fear of change. Don't settle for the old wine because you're, you're afraid of what the new might look like in your life. It requires taking a step of faith. Number two, be willing to move on from the past. Don't settle for the old is better. Be willing to move on. There's plenty of old past wineskins, and you know, we could look at the history of that, but no, you'll be willing, be willing to move on. Uh, three, soak in the water of the Word. Soak in the water, although not just following good ideas by other people, but soaking in the Word for yourself. Submit, <laughs> submit to the beating and, uh, that loosens up that old sediment. That speaks to me of the pain of change. It may be that some of the stuff that you're going through your life, some of the stuff that you're going through is actually the hand of a loving God reworking you for a new season of ministry. So submit to what that beating upon your life. Surrender to the working and the rubbing of the oil of the Holy Spirit. Let Him rub the oil of the Spirit into you. Let Him highlight the areas in your life that needs to be changed. Let Him to rub in that oil and bring about change. Let the Holy Spirit show you things in your life. Let Him put His finger in your life where you thought there's nothing wrong, but when, when, when you see it under the spotlight of the Word and the Holy Spirit, you realize, hey, 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 I'm actually hard and unresistant and unwilling to change here. No. Let him, let him put his finger on you. Let him, let him rub you. And remember, as I said, it's, it's all about the wine. It's not about the wineskin. It's all about the wine. It's not about the wineskin. The wineskin without the wine is just a dead carcass. So you ain't got no wine in you, you're just a dead carcass. It's about the wine. We need the wine of the Holy Spirit in us. Amen. Okay. So is there hope for an old wineskin like me? I'm hard, I'm brittle, I'm empty. I was full of the wine at a time. The Holy Spirit flowed in my life. Other people were blessed, but now I'm, now I'm, I feel like an old wineskin. 
worn out, all used up, dry, into me, full of sediment that's blocked me up. What's caused, what's caused the hardness in your life? What pain, what disappointment, what broken dream, what hurt, what disillusionment, what abuse? It's caused the soft heart to, what's caused your soft heart to receive layer after protective layer to ensure you don't get hurt again, but it's actually creating a hard, hard heart? What, what sediment, what residual is left there because of you constantly giving and it not really being received? What, what bitterness, what burnout, what, what bad tasting memories? The soft heart becomes a hard heart and a hard brittle winds is not a good place to be for me. But God is in the business of renewing and restoring the wineskin. Amen? New wine into new wineskins. Lord, renew my wineskin that I may be able to contain you. For all I want is you, to feel you, to experience you, to to, to walk in your presence, to know your infant for you. Is that your desire this morning? Oh, would you let, let him put that desire within you? New wine. New wine. Immerse yourself in the Word. Let the Holy Spirit rub on you. I say we're going to give opportunity this morning in a moment or two to anoint people with oil. And oil, wine. Holy Spirit, I just want to connect them two together with a verse of Scripture, which I really feel is, is relevant to us, and it's Isaiah 44, verse 2 and 3. It says these words, God, who made you, who formed you from the womb, who will help you, fear not, my servant whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my Spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. I will pour my Spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. That, that word, I will pour my Spirit. Isaiah prophesied this at a time when they were going through hard times. Isaiah the prophet, he was based in Jerusalem at the time. They, they were facing all sorts of hassles and troubles. If you know about your history, it's fascinating to read what was going on at that time, and Isaiah, in the middle of all that's moved by God, begins to prophesy some stuff. But I just want to focus on this word. I will pour my Spirit upon you. I will pour my Spirit upon you. And he's speaking this to people. It's upon your descendants. He's actually saying to this people who were broken, who were, who were downcast, who were facing all sorts of hassle. Israel in the north had already fallen. You know, there was the threat of captivity, which did take place a hundred years after Isaiah prophesied this. He also prophesied about King Cyrus coming another 70 years later and used a heathen god, a heathen king used by God to 
to bring uh, freedom to God's people so that they could return, and, and the rebuilding of the temple and, and the walls and all of that stuff. Isaiah prophesied all of this stuff, and he prophesied beyond that right down to the coming of the Messiah and the coming of the church age and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And this verse, which I've read this morning, is, is Isaiah prophesying that there would be a day, he said, there'll be a day that your descendants where the Holy Spirit will be poured upon you. And he was prophesying of the coming of the, of the church age. But here's the point. He was prophesying it to this little people called Judah at that time when Israel and the north had already fallen. And there's a map here which just illustrates the point. That's how big the Persian Empire was, that blue section. And that little red dot there is Judah and, and Jerusalem. So this small, insignificant people God had a plan for which would touch the whole world. And I want to say this morning in connection with this word, when God says, I will pour out my Spirit, He had the whole world in mind, even though He spoke it to some uh, small group of insignificant people. This morning, you might feel small and insignificant and broken. You may feel that your wineskin is hard and used up. You may feel there's no hope for you because you've sinned so much. And by the way, these people that Isaiah spoke to, they were the same. They were backslidden. They'd got their eyes off God's and yet God is saying, I, the same that He spoke then is actually for this day. These descendants, this verse that's actually spoken there, is actually talking of us, the church age. Amen? So it tells me that no matter how small you may feel and how broken you may feel and how enclosed you may feel in this morning, God is saying to you, I can take you, I can use you, I can pour my Spirit upon you, the same Spirit that I poured out at that creation, the same Spirit that started the church. It's the same Holy Spirit that I want to pour into your life. And if you let me pour into your life, you can, He can change the whole world around you. Amen? The other thing about that word, pour, pour out my spirit, it's actually the word that is used for pouring oil on priests and kings. It's not the normal word for pouring your spirit. This is the second time in Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, that he talks about this, the, the church age and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. That word to anoint with, so that you are set apart consecrated for the purposes of God, so that you, and I say, it was used for priests and kings, and the Bible tells me we are kings and priests unto our God. Amen? Revelation 5, I think it is, verse 10. We are kings and priests unto our God. The day that you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the day that you had that new experience and you were born again, the day that that happened, you became a priest, a royal priest, kings and priests unto our God, which means this oil for anointing is used for commissioning, for setting apart, but it also means for empowerment, which means I will give you everything that you need to fulfill the mission that I'm calling you to do. Amen? That's good news. So it's not me. It's not the church. It's not some other Often, it's the Holy Spirit in you with a submissive heart. When He anoints you, something happens. Amen? The finger of God. Jake reminded us we are worshiping God. The finger of God by the oil of His Spirit on your life. Wow. Do you get it? And that's all you need for change. 
for healing, for restoration, for the beating out of the sediment, <laughs> for the bitterness, for the hurts, for the failures, and everything that you could raise up and say, I am not worthy to be a priest and a king on my God. Jesus says, you are because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. There is nothing that you've gone through or will go through. There is nothing that you've done can separate you from the love of God and stop Him from doing what He wants to do through you. All we've got to do is surrender and say, here I am. Amen. So this morning, we're wrapping this up. Now. I've, yeah, okay, I'm doing the usual, aren't I? Seven minutes over time. Ah, it's 11.30. I said this morning we are opening this up for people who may want to be anointed with oil this morning. The worship team's going to get up there. And if that's you this morning, if you're here part of the church, you here last, weren't here last week and would like that opportunity, I want to be anointed. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.